Well, good evening. My name is Aubrey, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm very glad to see you and that we get to be together this evening. Over the last few months, I've been reading the most wonderful series of novels uh, by a Canadian author named Louise Penny, and um, they're murder mysteries, and the main character is Armand Gamache. Just out of curiosity, have any of you read any of these novels? Barbara has. The rest of you, you're so lucky, like they're in front of you. You get to discover this man, Armand Gamache. I've fallen in love with him. Um, he's just the most remarkable man. Here's how nerdy it is, okay? This is, um, this is pretty pathetic. I, I've started buying the cologne he wears. <laughs> uh, I, he's just this remarkable man. He, he's so full of gentleness and wisdom and sacrifice. He practices forgiveness and um, he chooses love as the like guiding principles of his life. I'm on the ninth book in the series and as luck would have it. Okay. So this book, like all the other books is set in, in Quebec, modern day Quebec, but this one is set right before Christmas. Now I didn't know that was coming. And I, but isn't that just one, you ever have these amazing serendipities in life where you're reading just the right thing at just the right time? And, and I just love the title of this book, How the Light Gets In. She ripped it off from a Leonard Cohen poem um, that says, everything has cracks, that's how the light gets in. Over and over, Louise Penny, the author of this series of novels, over and over, she displays this remarkably profound grasp of the inner logic of Christianity. Now, I, I don't know if she's a Christian or, or not. Um, it's, she's not writing like Christian literature or anything, but her novels portray beautifully the deep Christian view. This novel, for example, its setting and its title are exactly what Christmas is all about. How the Light Gets In, a novel set right at Christmas time. I mean, take, for example, our very first reading tonight, the, the passage from John's Gospel, which is John's description of Christmas, of the birth of Jesus, where he says these words, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In Luke's gospel, think about the way it begins. It begins with the darkness of the Roman Empire crushing the Jewish people. Listen again to Luke's first sentence of, of the account of Jesus' birth. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, that doesn't strike terror into us because we've got a, re a fairly cushy point of view on these kind of things. But 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, a census was an act of domination and humiliation. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, he's flexing his muscles with a demand that everybody is to be counted and registered and, of course, taxed. Why? For three primary reasons. Number one, he has to keep the Roman war machine going. Number two, 
He wants to keep himself and his friends well-fed and sitting in the lap of luxury. And that's how the elite of Rome stayed well-fed. And number three, he needed to keep all the people that Rome had conquered, he needed to keep them in their place to know how many there were and where they lived. So a census, you see, was about who runs the world, who gets the money, and who gets crushed in the process. That's how Luke starts the Christmas story. And so it's not surprising that every time there was a census in the Middle East, there were riots and people got killed. So when, when you're reading the Christmas story in Luke, in the first paragraph, you hear four times in five verses that there was a census. Luke is setting a dark stage. He, he's setting a stage of darkness. He's telling the story of the birth of Jesus in a way that he spends more time describing the census than he does describing the actual birth of Jesus. Now, we have to take this seriously. Here's Joseph, a construction worker in a small town, and he's engaged to this ordinary teenage girl who's facing an unplanned pregnancy, at least unplanned from her perspective. And then the census is decreed. So now Mary and Joseph, who are already in a precarious position, they're herded like cattle back to the place of Joseph's ancestry. They're forced to walk some 100 miles over rough terrain when she's very pregnant. It takes at least a week to make this walk. And when they get to the end of that week's journey, they look up and they have to climb 4,000 feet to get to Bethlehem. And when they get there, they discover a village swelled with other displaced people. They can't find a place to stay. And then Mary's water broke, presumably. And the contraction started. And the gospel, the gospel narratives are surprisingly quiet about the details of this part of the story. But maybe not so surprising. I, I think they, they spare the sordid details of what happened and how many observers there were out of respect for Jesus and his family. But we are told that after Mary gives birth, she swaddles Jesus and lays him in a feeding trough, the manger. I recently heard for the first time in my life, a stunning African-American spiritual. It's got this call and response format. Um, what month was Jesus born in? Last month of the year. What month? January? No. February? No. And it goes through the whole thing in this amazing kind of style. And it keeps going, March, no, April, no, May, no. What month was my Jesus born in? Last month of the year, born of the Virgin Mary. What a remarkable way of capturing how the light of God gets into our world. Fleming Rutledge, this incredible Episcopalian preacher, she put it this way. The tide of human possibility was running out. Month after month, we thought we could fix whatever was wrong. New resolutions, new products, new leaders, new technology, new strategies, new medicines, new regimes. And on the stroke of midnight, 
when the executioner is due at the prison door, the light gets in. At the farthest extremity of human hope, the Lord God Almighty slipped into the world in disguise. Last month of the year, born of the Virgin Mary. Do you, do you see how the light gets in? It gets in through a miracle. A virgin gives birth. It's like the prophecy we heard in the fourth lesson from the book of Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. Get this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, the light comes in from another source, another sphere of power. How is this possible? Virgins don't give birth. What is that? Why is that? How is that? Well, we hear it at the end of the passage. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You see, if we do not believe that God does things, that he performs things, that he accomplishes things according to his purposes, then the whole story collapses. This is what faith knows. In the last month of the year, when the very last human hope is gone, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. At precisely this point in our lives, whoever we are, wherever we are in our struggles, whatever our disappointments and failures, whatever our anxieties, our fears, our griefs and our losses, remember this, God comes to us at Christmas down in the depths in the last month of the year, at the last tick of the clock, at the bottom of the world's midnight, Jesus arrives. He didn't remain at base headquarters in heaven receiving reports of the world's suffering from below and then shouting encouragements from a safe distance. No, he left headquarters and he came down to us in the frontline trenches, right down to where we live and worry, where we contend with injustice and feelings of emptiness and futility, where we sin and suffer guilt and where we will die. Jesus came right down into this and he was homeless. He was shoved off into a stable. And shortly afterwards, his parents were shoved out onto the road as refugees in order to escape Herod's massacre of the infants. And then came a lifelong experience of hostility. Jesus was always a fugitive. His heart trembled under the impact of the temptations and the fears that shake us too. And finally... His life ended the way it began, shoved out of the world. He died on a gallows that had the form of a cross. Jesus, 
God in the flesh, who was love just right to the core of his being, who loved infinitely. And so he suffered infinitely. He saw mankind running headlong into our own destruction. And so, as Helmut Tielke, one of my favorite theologians and preachers said, crib and cross, they're the same wood. Look, you don't have to have some kind of religious feeling to have Jesus come to you. Jesus comes to the stable, to the comfortless, the sick, the despairing. He walks with the fugitives on the long road of refugees. And when my last hour comes and your last hour comes and all else forsakes us, he will come down even into the darkest valley of the shadow of death. Crib and cross, they're the same wood. Wounds must heal wounds. Jesus came to become wounded to save us. Look, Jesus knows everything. He knows my loneliness. He knows the things in my life that I can't handle. He knows the enemy who is stalking me. He knows my fears and my sins and stains and my guilt and my shame. At some point, in every one of us, at some point in our lives, every single one of us will be poor. Maybe not financially, But at some point, every one of us will do something wrong and will feel the burden of our guilt. You may be sick or overwhelmed by consuming desires that just can't be fulfilled. At some point, the hidden darkness inside of us erupts to the surface. And in that darkness, where there is no light, only black, pits and hopeless dead ends, Jesus will come. Christmas tells us that God comes to us no matter where we are. God comes to us in the darkness. How does the light get in? Jesus, from another source, from outside of us. Long before you even began suffering, Jesus was already making his way to you. What month was Jesus born in? The last month of the year. When it seems that everything has come to a dead end, God's chance really begins. That's the Christmas story. Let's pray.